Hello and welcome to the Influential Times. This is episode five. My name is Alistair Wheat and I'm here at Onalytica to talk to you about some interesting stories in the world of influencer marketing from the last couple of weeks. So in today's episode, I want to talk to you a bit about an interesting story with Manchester City and an influencer campaign that they ran recently, which uh, kind of backfired a bit for them. So Manchester City work with PhD Manchester and PhD Manchester are using an influencer marketing platform called Tribe, which is a platform where there are a whole range of content creators and brands can interact with these content creators to then um, put stuff out about the brand. And then there's a facility to uh, to match make and to pay the influencers when they create this content. There's a lot of good stuff. I think I've, I've been watching how Tribe have been evolving a platform. They're doing a lot of really cool things. This is an example of how not to use their platform to create a campaign. So what happened was Manchester City put a brief out, or rather PhD put a brief out on Tribe on behalf of Manchester City, which Man City then later said that they uh, were not aware of. And this brief was to try and get people to come to Manchester City's Etihad Stadium when they were playing uh, Champions League games against what they called as lesser known teams, such as um, Atalanta, uh, Dinamo Zagreb and Shakhtar Donetsk. Um, who probably people in those countries, uh, uh, for example, Italy, Croatia and Ukraine know those teams very well, but they might be lesser known teams uh, to people in the UK. But that could also be said about Man City themselves a couple of years ago before they started to get uh, loads of money and buying lots of uh, expensive players. Um, I'm not going to say which team I support. <laughs> we, we love the same money that they have, but uh, not jealous. No, not jealous. Um, and so... Uh, this advertisement went out basically to try and get influencers to create videos or other content showing themselves having a great time in the Etihad to try and entice other people to come along. Now, of course, what happens was that this brief went out on the Tribe platform and some of the other people who were on Tribe spotted this and then posted on online um, and then loads of people started making fun of Man City because they were joking about how the Etihad was the empty had and they couldn't get people to their games and... You know, how could they, you know, say that uh, these other teams are lesser known when actually, you know, people who follow football will know of them. And also another particular thing that they got criticized for was that the brief or the requirements for the campaign was that it had to be men aged 18 to 55. And, and many women then were complaining that, you know, why is it that they are being excluded? Um, are they not being welcome to come along to the Etihad and enjoy their games as well? So wrong for a number of reasons and uh, the team was uh, rightly criticized for doing this campaign they have since sacked phd who um, have apologized and said they know they got it wrong and i think what this illustrates is how there there are risks associated with doing influence marketing this way so first of all when you're putting a brief out and basically then inviting influencers to come and sort of create content for you. And um, there is there is then a kind of an a approval mechanism um, within the trial platform. It doesn't mean that the content just goes out straight away uh, for, on behalf of the brand. But it means that the brand's not first of all picking the right sorts of influencers to work with and then having a, a private conversation with them about how to run the campaign. It's immediately going public and anybody can see it. And if they get it wrong, then they can get uh, ridiculed for it as it was in this case. I think what should have happened in this case was that Man City should have gone out and first of all looked for people who were creating content of their own back um, about Man City because they like the club. There's loads of people out there who are fans of the club and already making videos and posting images online of themselves enjoying 
um, being a supporter of Man City and being at some of these games. And what Man City should have done is first of all gone to try and look for those people and then try to find a way of helping them create even better content or maybe giving them behind the scenes access or early access or free tickets so that they were working with people who were genuine fans and people who are not going to suddenly just be a fan for hire, which is going to be, be seen through and, and rightly made fun of. They could have also then looked at ways maybe to boost the posts of those fans, maybe even giving them some paid promotion so that there's a, there's an organic post then giving a paid boost. Or it's uh, maybe trying to find other ways of helping them get more followers. So maybe giving them a means to run a competition or just helping them make really cool content so that they can grow their organic base. That means that rather than paying the influencers uh, to post something because they want to do it anyway because they're a fan, you're instead helping the influencers to become more influential and um, and maybe just instead of paying for uh, a boost for those posts uh, via uh, sort of other promotional means. I think that would have been a much more effective and authentic way of getting the same sort of results. So moving on from them, we've got uh, some, this is not, not a new story, but I think there's just becoming uh, increasing concern or questions about how brands should work with virtual influencers. Um, so there's... Um, there's a the most famous I think uh, virtual influencer is Lil Michaela who's got uh, 1.7 million followers on Instagram, and a number of brands have uh, started working with with her uh, or him uh, or it uh, to uh, create uh, campaigns such as Prada, Calvin Klein, Outdoor Voices, and more recently Samsung. Um, SK2, the skincare brand, has also created their own virtual influencer called Yumi, um, which can adapt what uh, it says based upon uh, data analysis of uh, the people coming to their website. KFC have also created their own virtual Colonel Sanders uh, avatar to create ads. Now, this is um, kind of interesting from a technological point of view. Some of these uh, virtual influencers you know, look amazing and they, the AI now behind some of them means that they can have conversations with uh, people live. Um, so fascinating from a technical point of view. But what it does do is raise questions about how all of this should be governed. How do disclosure rules apply to virtual influencers? So check out the newsletter. There's some um, links to some of the legal discussions around this whole piece. Um, but it's uh, an area that I think is going to become more and more prominent because it potentially creates a route for brands to do stuff with influencers. Virtual influencers um, have the same sort of impact potentially, but then not have to go through the same uh, disclosure mechanisms that they would have to do with a, a real person. So those are two uh, news stories, but uh, what I want to do, which I don't normally do in these podcasts, is actually to feature three uh, reports that have come out recently, which I want to draw your attention to, because I think they've got all three of them some really good uh, information in in them that can help you uh, do influence marketing better. The first one is a survey from LinkedIn, uh, where they surveyed 4,000 B2B marketing practitioners um, focusing specifically on how they calculate ROI and looking at some of the common pitfalls and mistakes and how this is done. So the couple of the key findings are, first of all, that uh, brands measure ROI too soon so that they are trying to prove ROI after perhaps a month uh, when the typical sales cycle in the B2B environment may well be three months or longer. The other big problem is that uh, marketers are mixing metrics, so they are sometimes confusing ROI with what should be called a KPI and they are looking at metrics in the wrong way. So the analogy given in the report is that uh, if you're looking at trying to measure a story, 
the chapters in that story should be seen as having a KPI. So what was the impact of that particular chapter? Whereas then the ROI is looking at the impact of the story as a whole. So when you're looking at different marketing activities, you might want to try and have KPIs for different steps along the way and then look at the ROI at the end of the whole cycle. The other problem is that marketers are having to measure under pressure. So they're having to show ROI in order to justify budget and budget decisions are being made on a short cycle, which means they're constantly having to kind of justify and prove that what they're doing is the right thing. So the key takeaway then on that is that the ROI should um, be done on a longer time scale and likewise budget should be reviewed on a longer time scale. The reason I'm focusing on this is because LinkedIn is obviously a key channel for anyone doing influence marketing in a B2B space. But I think all of these takeaways are, are relevant not just for LinkedIn marketing, but any kind of B2B marketing of which influence marketing is a key part. So if you are doing an influencer marketing campaign uh, in a B2B context or in a longer term sort of co corporate reputation context for a B2C brand, make sure that you get the right ROI measurement framework in place and have the right timescales for that. So download the uh, B2B marketing survey report from LinkedIn. Uh, the link is in the newsletter and, uh, and check out the findings on there. There's also been a recent report uh, from Scott Guthrie, who's uh, at Sab Guthrie on Twitter, and Stephen Waddington, who's at Wads on Twitter. Um, this is the Future Proofing Comms Guide to Influencer Marketing Governance for Public Relations. And so that, the website for that is futureproofingcoms.co.uk forward slash we are all influencers now with uh, hyphens between the words and uh, the links also in the newsletter. Uh, it's a great report here with some uh, guest contributions um, from several other people as well. But the key points, I think it's it's uh, that they add something really useful in a, in a short form summary, uh, cover things such as governance for influencer marketing, legal considerations, and then looking at the rules for both earned influence marketing and the rules for paid influence marketing, as well as giving a, a summary of all of the key governing authorities that are relevant and uh, publications that they have put out regarding governance in this category and then also some examples of recent legal rulings um, this does touch a bit upon the the point i was making earlier about the virtual influences so uh, check out the uh, report from scott Stephen, and others and uh, and uh, you know check out how that uh, that might maybe change the way that you are working with influences and finally want to highlight to you a piece of research that we're very proud of which is our own updated complete guide to industry and b2b influencer marketing this is a very extensive report that uh, Alicia and Tim have spent ages working on, and we've also got lots of great contributions from over 250 marketers uh, to include their experiences, perspectives, and tips. The report is um, available to download on our website, and or you can also just check it out. Uh, we've shared it on our Twitter and LinkedIn pages as well. And this is looking at a whole range of aspects of influencer marketing. Uh, some key sections that um, I would recommend you check out. First of all, there's one about influencer selection, so how to find the right influencers to focus on, so whether they are relevant in terms of what they're talking about to your organization and objectives, whether they've got the right type of persona, i.e. are they influencers that you would need to pay to work with? Are they organic influencers? Are they people that you can partner with? Or are they people that really you just need to kind of listen to rather than trying to expect them to uh, do stuff on behalf of your brand? There's also then a chapter on how to engage with influencers. So uh, if you're potentially paying with them how do you um, open up the conversation or if you're looking to do um, some other kind of partnership with them that doesn't involve payments what are the sort of things that uh, would would constitute uh, an equal value exchange with the influencers 
There's also a chapter on employee advocacy and influence marketing. So um, how to help brands do employee advocacy in a more strategic way and to make both your employees become influential in their own right so you can have your own internal influences and also then how to connect employee advocates with external influences to help build strong influencer relationships through your staff. There's a chapter on influence marketing and SEO looking at how uh, good influencer content can be a massive boost to your SEO. We also talk about which department should own influence marketing. Should it be something that comes out of your PR comms team or something from your marketing team? Or to what extent the employee advocacy um, side of it should drive things? And uh, there's also a chapter then very importantly on how to measure the success of the influence programs. And we've got various different frameworks and uh, downloadable resources linked to this white paper, as well as a couple of interactive guides that you can use to help create your own influencer marketing strategy. So those are three reports there that I would uh, recommend you check out, um, especially our one, right? And uh, then check out those other stories as well. I've mentioned a few times about links being in our newsletter. If you are not already subscribed to our newsletter, the place to go is just onlinetica.com forward slash newsletter. Um, we, we'll, uh, you know, we're not going to be spamming you. This is just a once a month newsletter that we send out and, uh, you'll get insights and other useful uh, bits of information from me and other people in the team. So I hope you find this uh, episode of the Influential Times helpful. Um, don't forget to subscribe if you want to get more of this in the future. Thank you. Bye-bye.